there were these two roommates, single brothers, and they got into a fight over who left the dishes in the sink. And they couldn't come to a, a resolution. And it got to the point where one of the roommates got so upset that he decided to give his roommate the silent treatment for the whole day. Didn't talk to him. So when his roommate would come and ask him a question, he thought everything was cool. He would ask a question. He would ignore him completely. And he did that for several hours up until the evening. And then come the evening, he remembered that the next morning he had to wake up early for a very important business flight. Now, see, he had, he had been having trouble getting up in the morning. Any of us relate to that? I don't know. And his roommate had been helping him, helping him to get up in the morning. But unfortunately, because of his pride, he was unwilling to break his silence. So he decided to write a note instead. So he wrote the note, Dear Roommate. He didn't even call him by his name. He just said, Dear Roommate. Wake me up at 5 a.m. He took the note and he folded it up and he walked into the living room where the roommate was watching television and he handed it to him. And he turned and walked back into his room and went to sleep. Now the next morning he gets up and it's 9 a.m. And he's furious. And he's about to walk into his roommate's room and bang on the door and, and ask him why he didn't wake him up. But just before he, wa he walks out of his own room, he looks on his pillow and he sees a note. <laughs> Dear roommate, it's 5 a.m. Wake up. See, brothers and sisters, there's a time to, to be silent and a time to speak. You understand? There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. My name is Curtis Reed, and along with my wife, Kim, we lead the uh, SCS ministry in the Turning Point. The SCS is the singles and college students, because in the Turning Point, we don't really have a campus ministry. So we have the benefit, as Seth mentioned, of having a lot of the 20-somethings stick around in the singles ministry. We love it. We're having a great time with it. Um, it really is an honor and a privilege to speak to you today. I was uh, baptized in 1994. Uh, I was in college, but I was baptized in the AMS singles, so I was essentially born outside of the box. You understand what I'm saying? Been trying to stay true to that ever since. Um, and really, I, I, first of all, before I go anywhere else, I definitely want to thank Angela. Phil, I don't know if Phil is in here, huh? Okay, well, he'll get here later. He'll figure it out. He's probably arguing with his roommate. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along, moving right along. Uh, but I do want to thank Phil and Angela just for the, the privilege uh, to be able to, 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 to speak to you guys today. It really is cool. I, uh, I've been a, a disciple for about 19 years. Twelve of those years I was single. I get it. Believe me. I understand. And really, I, I want today to be a day, hopefully, where everything that comes out of my mouth will both honor God and hopefully inspire you. Because I do want to tell you that you inspire me. As singles leaders, you inspire me. You are people who have refused to accept the myth that single people are supposed to be second-class citizens in the church. You understand? 
And instead, what you've decided to do is step up. I know we, we shouldn't say step up, but you are stepping up by the grace and power of God and really taking on the responsibility of evangelizing Los Angeles, meeting and reaching out to and baptizing single people. And that is such an incredible honor. And you guys are doing an amazing job. And so for me to come and speak to you is just absolutely exciting today. I really want, I think, to, to express some things that are, have been on my heart today. Um, there are some things that I desperately want for you. Obviously, I, I, do I want you, you to, do I, do I want to contribute to equipping you to evangelizing the world? Absolutely. Do I want you to make an impact on your community? Most definitely. Do I want you to, to learn how to love one another deeply? Absolutely. But before any of that, you know what I want for you? I want you to last. I want you to last. 10, 20, 50 years down the line, if you haven't been called home or our Lord Jesus hasn't come back, I want you to be strong and firm in the faith. You understand what I'm saying? That's the most important thing to me for you. The way I see it, what good is it to impact the world for Christ if I'm disqualified from, from my own prize? What good is it to make an impact if in the end I'm not with God in heaven? You understand? How many of us are familiar with this scenario? Man, he was such an amazing brother. He was a powerful preacher. He encouraged the brothers and sisters. He baptized many people. He was a servant. I can't understand why he walked away from the faith. Anybody relate to that? The heartbreak. Many of us have experienced that heartbreak when we watch a, a person, a leader that we love and we admire, walk away from the faith. A lot of you guys are still healing from the wounds of seeing good friends decide to walk away from Jesus. And we wonder why. And I, I, honestly, guys, I think that the Bible gives us some great insight into that. Let's talk about a time to be silent. See, if we're going to do the work of God, as Seth mentioned so, so eloquently, we have to first understand how important it is to be grounded in God. You understand what I'm saying? It's so vital See, if I stand up here and get you all excited about the mission but fail to stress the importance of being connected to and grounded in the Holy Spirit, you know what that's like? That's like getting you excited about a grizzly bear hunt but failing to stress the importance of bringing a rifle. <laughs> See, we got to put the horse before the cart in this sense. We've got to have our priorities in line if we're going to last. There's a scripture that I think in, in, this, in this context has really, it's really changed my life. You know what it is? 
Galatians 3.3. 3. Let's read that. Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? This is, this is Paul addressing the Galatian church who had been essentially infiltrated by Judaizers. It was people, it, 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 there were people who were essentially, essentially trying to get the church to revert back to earning their salvation through the means of the law. Are you so foolish? What hits me about this, you know what, you know what hits me about this scripture, is that this is even possible. This is possible for me. I can do this. It's possible for me to start out with the Holy Spirit and then in the end be led by my own human effort, by my own opinions, my own wisdom. It's so necessary that we all have a conviction that we need to daily guard our hearts against this phenomenon. Being led by the flesh. It's possible to do all the activity in the ministry and yet not be grounded in the Holy Spirit. Why do I know that? Because I've been there. I live that. I'm in the ministry now, but it's only by the grace of God and the skin of my teeth. I've got to be honest with you. Years ago, I went into the full-time ministry. It was 1998, 1999. And I was zealous for God. I had a lot of love for Jesus. I understood that Jesus wanted me to make disciples. I understood that Jesus wanted me to love my neighbor. I got it. But what I really failed to grab a hold of was how important it was that everything that I did be grounded in the Holy Spirit. And not in my own power. So vital. My own effort eventually led to my spiritual demise. During a time of major turmoil in the church, I was asked to step down out of the ministry. I really didn't have much to, to turn to. My, 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 my foundation, my identity was so wrapped up in what I had done. I, you know, we had an incredibly fruitful ministry right here at El Camino College. I mean, we baptized campus students like you would not believe. It was amazing to see what God did. But the problem was I was convinced that it was me. And you know how it is. You never say that to anybody. You know better than that. You know better than to talk about that, honestly, because you know it's, it's ridiculous. But in my heart of hearts, I really believe that it was me offering something to this ministry that was making it come together. And I got so much more wrapped up in the activity. I got so much more wrapped up in the things that I needed to do in order to make my ministry awesome. that I stopped grounding myself in Jesus. That I have quiet times every day, never miss one. Never, never, never fail to read the word. But I think it, it, it's got to be a little bit more than that if we're going to make it. 
the words are awesome, but you know, we can turn the word, we can turn the words of Jesus into a law if we're, if we're not careful. And I lived it. I did it. We're under the law of the spirit of grace. And we've got to be able to tap into that. Otherwise, we fall into the leadership trap. That's when you have helped so many others that you start to start to forget that you need help yourself. I think that two is supposed to have two O's on there, but we'll have grace today, right? But you can help so many other people that you, you start to forget that you need help yourself. You need supernatural help from God. God starts to use you to impact lives. But you start to believe that it's you who's impacting lives. Fine line. Human effort messed me up royally. You know, I never walked away from the church, but I definitely drifted away from God in my heart. And I remember when I got out of the ministry, I was so disillusioned and bitter. I, I swore I will never go back into the ministry again. I will n I'm not leading anybody. Now, seven years later, God had the last laugh and hello. But the reality is I want to spare you that kind of kind of pain, that kind of trauma. Guys, we can ground ourselves in the Holy Spirit every single day. Let's talk about that. See, the, the scripture that we just looked at, this scripture, what I realized is I started studying out the Holy Spirit. This scripture really represents a theme that's in the Bible. This stark contrast between life by the flesh and life by the Spirit. So many scriptures, I can't even... Can't, can't even name them all. Galatians 5, Romans 7 and 8, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 3, even some Old Testament scriptures in Ezekiel talk about how God's going to put his spirit in us to cause us to live for him. But it's a theme in the Bible, and I think there's a very, very stark line that can be drawn for every single human being on the planet, and it's this. You're either living by the flesh or you're living by the spirit. And it's much more than saved and lost because the truth is you can be a, a baptized disciple but live by the flesh. We've got to be in touch with what God is calling us to do. The gift that he's given us to live by, we've got to understand that if we're going to last. We've got to be able to hang on to that. It's an either-or scenario. I've got to make a conscious and deliberate decision every single day to deny my flesh, to crucify my flesh, and choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if I'm not making that conscious and deliberate effort every single day, chances are, on some levels, or maybe many levels, I'm living by my flesh. The flesh is powerful. It needs to be subdued. Let's listen to what Jesus has to say about this. John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does nothing mean? What, what, what does nothing mean, really? 
it's nothing. Nothing means nothing. My clicker's off, Jay. What's going on here? Nothing means nothing. Now I know what some of you guys are thinking. It's pretty simple, right? It's pretty simple. And I get it. The purpose of my coming was not to insult your intelligence, but it's really to, to remind us that there is a very simple concept that we can sometimes fail to grab a hold of as Christians. We are capable of nothing without Jesus. We're capable of nothing without Jesus. In his book, The Law, uh, the Law of Liberty in the Spiritual Realm, Evan H. Hopkins, that's a name right there for you. This is what he has to say. He says, when the Bible speaks of power, it's not a power that lies dormant in us, that has been covered up, that needs to be set free. No. We are completely powerless, and it's only through the Spirit of Christ that we can do anything. Now, when you read that, are you okay with that? Are you okay with being powerless? Really, that's what it boils down to. See, I don't like that. I don't like this concept of powerlessness, weakness. And I look back over my life as a Christian and how many times I've tried to usurp God's power and, and, and replace it with my own. Because I want to look powerful. I want to look like I know what I'm doing. I want to look like I have it all together. I don't have it together. I'm an emotional wreck without Jesus. Capable of Godzilla levels of catastrophic destruction in the lives of others if I'm not close to Jesus. Anybody with me there? Tenure means nothing. Amount of time in the church is absolutely nothing without the Spirit transforming me on a consistent and daily basis. And yet when we've been around for a while, we can forget this, can't we? We go, well, I'm just burnt out. I'm burnt out. I know I've been burnt out because we forget that just like that baby Christian that we're so, so expertly studying the Bible with, reminding them of their need for connection with Christ, we forget it for ourselves. We forget how frail and weak we are before Christ. We can get in, in, our, in our circles of leaders and we can start gassing each other up. Man, bro, you're so awesome. And I, we should be complimenting and, and lifting each other up. But we should not ever take a compliment to mean that it's because I am something. Nothing means nothing. You know, there are a few uh, super profound statements that have really uh, helped me out lately. This is the first one. I can't be godly without God. Is that deep? Deep enough? Too deep. So shallow is deep, baby. So there you go. Next one. I can't be Christ-like without Christ. Newsflash, here we go. And lastly, I can't be spiritual without the Holy Spirit. Eureka! But, but, but really, as simple 
as those are. Why do I try to accomplish that? Why do I try to accomplish godliness without God or Christ likeness without Christ or spirituality without the Holy Spirit? A spiritual person is really simple. A spiritual person is someone who is led by the Holy Spirit. A spiritual person isn't a person who who works hard or a spiritual person isn't a person who, you know, does good things. A spiritual person is a person who is led by, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And I know what you're thinking again. Oh, we missed that one. Here we go. You're thinking, duh. Well, anyway, moving right along. I know what you're thinking. But again, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But if you're honest, this is one of the most difficult things to accomplish. Being grounded in the Lord. Why do we, why do we attempt to do the work of God without being close to God? Why do we do that? How can we, let me, here's another question. How can we be spiritual people if we don't even acknowledge the Holy Spirit? You want to you convict your heart? Study out the Holy Spirit. Study out the thread that is the Holy Spirit that runs through the entire Bible and how responsible he is for every single thing that you and I understand as godliness on earth. And then be honest with yourself about how, how, how authentically you've made an effort to connect with him. Split my heart wide open. But it's changed my life. Why do we miss our quiet times in order to get with a struggling brother or sister? Why do we get on the email or, or, or the, the voicemail before we get into our word? Why do we allow personal ambition to cloud us into believing that our value comes from what we do rather than who we are in Jesus. Why do we do that? I want to see God do great things. I want to see the whole world get baptized. But I want to see God do it in his time and in his way. Let's look at another scripture. Hebrews 5, 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. What does that say to you? Give me some words that describe Jesus right here. Tears. What, what, what I hear? Desperate. Humble. Surrendered. Here we go. What else? Faithful. Needy. Excellent. Emotional. Let's talk about surrender because he was absolutely surrendered, right? You know what the mistake is that we make about surrender as Christians? We think that surrender only applies to conversion or crisis. We think surrender only applies to conversion. We think, man, we, we, we can sit down and say the Bible, you've got to give up everything. You have to deny yourself and carry your cross. And we think, yeah, you need to, in order to come from the darkness into the light, you need, to, you need to surrender. In order to stay faithful consistently, we all need to surrender every single day. It said during the days of Jesus' life. It didn't just say at, at when he was baptized by John the Baptist. It took everything, every ounce 
what I'm realizing is that when, when, when we take a look at God's expectation for surrender, what is, he, what is he looking for? It's a daily humbling of myself. It's acknowledging and realizing that the flesh will take over if not subdued by the Spirit. That's really what it is. Another word I heard out there, desperate. Jesus was desperate. Let me ask you a question. Are you desperate? Are you desperate today, this morning, this week? Are you in touch? Are you in touch with your deep need to be moved and transformed by the Spirit of God? Are you terrified of the thought of doing anything for God in the ministry out there in the world at work by your own power and not having God's spirit leading you. Does that terrify you? If it doesn't, it should, in a good way. That's the fear of God. Are you afraid of being outside of his protection that you and I need on a consistent basis? I'm glad if you're inspired. I'm glad if you're encouraged. I'm I'm, I'm really glad if you're grateful. But are you desperate every day, all day, Talk about a time to speak. Let's talk about a time to speak. See, time to be silent is when we're close, when we're, when we're fighting to get close to God. That's every day. But a time to speak. Paul puts it well in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. Let's look at another one. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk on wine. See, our brother said, amen. Which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, God the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, as a Christian, the time to speak is only after you have been filled by and are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. Now, for many of us, we come from religious backgrounds, or we have cousins or aunties that come from religious backgrounds, and we see their their misconception of the Holy Spirit being something that is not biblical. It's crazy. They're jumping up and down the aisles and doing all that stuff. But the problem with that I don't know if you guys can relate this. I know that this, the, to this, this is a problem for me. Is I was kind of had an aversion to anything Holy Spirit. It was kind of like, let me just get, you know, just stick to the, just stick to the book. You know what I mean? Give me the fact. Give me, let me know what I need to do. And that's a problem. Because the New Testament, the New Covenant, is a covenant of the Holy Spirit. Definitely. Am I saying that we need to neglect what God calls us to do? Absolutely not. The whole point is to do to obey what God says. But the point is we're doing it by something more, by the power of someone more than ourselves. That's what we're talking about. To be filled with the spirit, speaking in spiritual words. When you go into a counseling appointment, when you go into a Bible study, are you praying to Jesus? Holy Spirit, please speak through me. 
Not just then, when you go to work, when you're having that, that argument with your roommate, when there's a conflict to be resolved, are we, are we praying? Are we going to God in reverent submission? Are we desperate? Just in the daily things, you know? Not just the crisis. We can't speak spiritual words if we're not filled with the Spirit. Kind of simple, right? We can't, we can't, we won't convey the heart of God if we have not received the heart of God. Jesus, when he was teaching his uh, disciples how to pray, he says this, he says, if then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Are you asking him? Think about it. Are you asking? Every day, God, fill me with your spirit. Crucify my flesh. Simple as it is, I'm telling you, I've seen Christians crash and burn by simply neglecting this simple concept. And we get consumed with self. Let me show you guys something really quick. Disciples, loving the brothers, and we see them walk away from the 
Let's talk about, let's look at the scripture here. No, not recommended books. There's not one? Romans 15, 13 is not there? Well, then why don't I read it to you? (laughs) Can we back that up too? Romans 15:13 if you want to pull out your bibles go for it Oh no here he is we got it on the screen here we go Yeah no worries man May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit You want to be what you need to be for God You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit When we take the time on a daily basis to empty ourselves and fill up on the Spirit, our hearts will be transformed on a daily basis. We will evangelize the world out of the overflow. We will love our enemies out of the overflow. We will be victorious over sin in our lives out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit. And we will resolve conflict with one another with wisdom and and contrite hearts when we are led by and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. This is a gift that God has promised to all of you. My hope for you is that you will take advantage of it. I have a couple book recommendations if you're interested in uh, further pursuit of this this topic, Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray. The guy wrote the book in like 18-something, still super relevant today. A lot of us are familiar with his book, Humility, uh, that we passed out back in the 90s that was probably super profound to a lot of us. Um, Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Very simple read, uh, but very straightforward about just the the tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the faith community. Uh, The Spirit by Douglas Jacoby. Doug Jacoby or Jacoby? Uh, however you want to say it, tomato, tomato. Uh, Doug is a, a teacher, a theologian in our movement, uh, one of my favorite writers uh, of all time. He, he fearlessly defends the faith 
his book, The Spirit, really gives a lot of practical wisdom and, and insight uh, and application. Uh, and lastly, God's Pursuit of Man by A.W. Tozer. Uh, he was a writer in the 50s. Uh, again, just super profound, super deep, but very simple. Just, just really a call back to the simple, basic reality of being led by the power of God. Brothers and sisters, this has been an incredible time together. I've been so encouraged. It's so, so good to see you all here doing well. Let's continue to build the church of God through the power of his spirit. To God be the glory. Amen.